BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today is the day you will lose fat. Come see Dr. T at NJ Diet. Easiest diet I've ever done. It's changed my life. Come see Dr. T. Using blood work and DNA testing. 1-855-5-NJ-DIET and njdiet.com. Change your life in only 40 days with NJ Diet. I was first introduced to my next guest in 1998 when, along with Most Def, he dropped the album Most Def and Talib Kweli of Rockstar. I heard the album and I was completely blown away. Almost 20 years later, of course, I'm still listening to Talib Kweli because he's still creating music and he's about to release his latest album, Radio Silence, on November 17th. Talib Kweli, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tamina Cal. So I want to ask you a question. I, you know, I uh, don't want to live in the past, but I would. This is a question I would have loved to ask you if I had the opportunity when uh, the album came out under Black Star. Um, what was for you when it first came out? Kind of what was the purpose and the mission for the album, and how did you want that to kind of serve for the rest of your career? Um, the purpose for the album was to represent a voice that we felt was missing from the hip hop, from the mainstream hip hop conversation. Um, hip hop at that time uh, was moving away from vinyl um, and moving away from some of the rudiments of hip hop culture and, and sort of being becoming more involved with corporate mainstream culture. You know, Puff Daddy was a huge, huge act. Um, and it was different than sort of when MC Hammer of Vanilla Ice came out. When MC right. Hammer of Vanilla Ice came out, we could tell that these guys weren't, the music they were making wasn't a part of what we were seeing in the underground hip-hop clubs. It was like a pop corporate idea of what hip-hop should sound like. Um, even though Hammer was a very real, real, sort of real Oakland dude, he wasn't making music at that time that was representing what, what the hip-hop community felt like was real hip-hop. Diddy, on the other hand, He's, he was direct from the hip-hop community, um, and he was very much involved in the hip-hop scene, but he was making, you know, he was leading the way with uh, sort of moving the music to more uh, marketing and sellable type of thing. With Blackstar, it was like the anti of all of that. We, um, we were kids on the street who couldn't afford to get in the clubs and we couldn't pop bottles at the nightclub and, and wear expensive watches and, and drive expensive cars and stuff like that. So we were the kids who were eating dollar heroes and hopping the turnstiles and rapping on street corners. And we wanted to bring that to the masses in the form of a record. And I, and I, you know, I was looking at your website and you know, you're, you're going on tour, you're uh, going to do a show with, uh, 
the black, a black star show in, in London. And I was curious, does that, I, what you just talked about, does that kind of mission still or purpose still hold true today when you perform the album? Yeah. One thing that's great about the black star shows, and I have to credit Yassine with this is that they're very stripped down and bare knuckle and just essential. It's just, it's just really me and him on stage with a DJ. It's not, and we just perform the songs. And, you know, on, on, on paper, that might sound like, eh, but, you know, it, it really does bring both of us back to a time when we had nothing. Um, even mm-hmm. though we performing in venues where thousands of people are now watching us and we get paid to do the shows, when we do the shows, um, it's not a lot of fanfare. It's really just the rhymes and the beats. And that's really what we were trying to do back then. So, you know, you obviously, you, you've, you've, performed you've collaborated with uh you know yasin uh you've also collaborated with this is for Beatrice Bertha, Benjamin, who gave Bertha, City Azita, for Lavender Hill, for Kalisha. Ah, uh, Rhapsody. For the people. By the people. Ha! Yeah, yeah, giddy up. Who got the juice now? Snatch it out your kitty's cup. That shit you gave is watered down. Uh, these are songs that I, uh, yeah, on Chaos, on Black Girl Pain, I've kind of played uh, all the time, you know, when it's like kind of a go-to song. It sounds like you like female MCs a lot. I do. Uh, well, you know, I mean, there's like, the other day I was listening to Gene Gray, but there's like, I think there's a, sometimes there's a great passion between uh, uh, what they do. But also when you, when you collaborate with them, there's also that passion that comes out. Um, I just want to talk about the difference between collaborating between a male MC and a female MC for you. Is there an approach that you take that's differently in terms of songwriting or beat selection when working with um, them? No, not at all. I, I would discourage people to separate male and female MCs because at the end of the day, it's just MCing. And, and the idea that we have to keep female MCs in a separate category to me is an ar- archaic ideal um, that we, we, we in hip-hop uh, can move past. I will say this though. I do believe just because of how, what women go through and what the lives that women lead, I do believe that in my personal opinion, women just kind of naturally get music better than men on, on, on get it in a more organic way. I will say that. Music in terms of, I mean, all aspects like the writing and the, I yeah, guess, the music. Yeah, just you know, just the rhythm. I feel like women just by nature are more connected to what makes us human. Um, I think their lives lead them to that, and you know, and and, and you know, women we come out of women, so I feel like women are more connected to our humanity, and I feel like music is connected to our humanity. So just by just by that, women I think are more naturally musically inclined. I I, I you know that might not be a politically correct thing to say, but. It's, it's something that I've, I've, I've noticed in my personal life. Mm. I want to I, I continue with uh, this collaborations and, you know, not just obviously female MCs, but you, you've also collaborated with, uh, you know, one, one MC in particular, uh, the late great uh, Sean Price. Um, and when I was kind of reading up on this, the record, uh, Palookas, it seemed like there was, it took a while for it to actually happen. Um, and then finally, uh, when you know you did get the rainbows with Duck Down and and the album, the uh, Sean P uh, collaboration happened. Uh, what made you 
continue to pursue Sean P as a collaborator instead of just saying, hey, let me just move on. It's not going to work out. Um, Sean was a friend. And, um, you know, Sean, Sean, one thing that Sean always said to me before he, he left us was he, he always used to be like, Kwali, you're good, but you're not as good as me. I'm the best MC ever. <laughs> You know, and that, that was that was like a, a playful banter. Whenever I would see Sean Price, he'd be like, "You're not as good as me." So it was always like a, a a competition, but it was a friendly, you know, playful thing. It wasn't anything I took seriously. And um, you know, it was it was just a matter of um, you know, it was just a matter of finding the right music. Um, linking up with Duck Down helped because they were very instrumental in what Sean was doing. But Sean and I talked about doing a song for years, but it was just, I would send him tracks and we would go back and forth. And it, it was, you know, that Marco Polo track is something that he really liked. So it was just a matter of finding that track. Uh, speaking of just music, um, there's something that you do that I kind of always appreciated uh, when I first heard you and kind of throughout your career. You do this on the track Solo off of uh, Gutter Rainbows. What I'm supposed to do with yours Times like this I gotta remind myself What I do it for People I knew before Celebrity Swear they see the change in me I tell them change is God You gotta let it be How does it feel to come full circle Still cursing Still pursing My lips pull purple What? She also did on the new track Heads Up Eyes Open Off of Radio Silence Which, which like I said Drop was November 17th uh, You you spit over what I'm not I'm gonna call it a simple beat But obviously it's not simple There's a lot going on to it and I really feel like it highlights your lyrics and your flow and kind of forces you or makes you your voice become that uh, extra instrument. Is that a conscious thing you're doing when you're kind of uh, flowing on these type of beats? Um, no, I mean, I think what you're saying is subjective. Um, you know, I think there's tracks I've done that are way more simpler than, than either of those tracks. Um, uh, those tracks are very piano-based. It sounds to me like you like pianos. Um, and those tracks are driven by a very melodic, pretty piano thing. Um, that's some that 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 is more prominent in the track than maybe some of the other instruments. Um, mm. But I do what I do. What I will say is that um, I naturally gravitate. The tracks that I like to hear are very musical. The tracks that I enjoy the most have a lot of music. I'm not really a, I don't gravitate towards simple tracks. A good example is Get Em High by Kanye West. It's one of the most mm -hmm. simple tracks I've ever rhymed on. I watched him make that beat at five minutes and he made that beat for my album, but I thought it was too simple. When he made that beat, it was in a session for a beautiful struggle. And I was like, nah, that's too simple. He was like, nah, the hook should be Get Em High and it's about weed. And I was like, that's way too simple. But he was like, I like it. So we ended up putting it on his album. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have a f first did not like that track. I've grown to love it. Kanye's a genius. And now it's a staple of my show. But when he first made it, I, it was too simple for me. But that's something that I've had to figure out how to get around because I agree with you. For an MC like myself, sometimes you just need that simple track. And and it's not, it's my gut, my gut doesn't lead me to the simple tracks. My gut, I, I'm always more attracted to the more intricate tracks. Cushion, the sister could get ahead of it. So does that mean you usually you does that mean you kind of write based on the music or do you or, I mean I guess it depends on the situation, right? Like you or do you have already a concept for a song and maybe lyrics even? Um, right every down? song is different. Some songs start with a concept, some uh, some songs start with the music first. Um every every song is, is a different inspiration. 
Uh, I want to ask you a little more about the uh, Heads Up, Eyes Open track. Uh, you know, as I said, it, it, the, the the music was simple, but, you know, but there is a lot going on, uh, as you just mentioned. Like, Yummy's vocals are incredible. You and Rick Ross do your thing, and the instruments right, are Right, there's, just... there's, a, there's a saxophone, there's a gospel choir, there's, like, really, there's like, a lot of stuff in there. But 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 the piano, is, it is a simple, the, when the track first starts out, it's really a very simple piano line, a simple bass line, and, and, and some drums. Yeah. So how did that all come together? I mean, how was it composed, produced, and yeah, you know, I mean, this, how did how did something like that come together? Like, what was your brainstorming behind it? Um, I've had that track for a number of years. It's produced by Jay Rhodes, and it's it's the the, the track itself feels very spiritual. It's a very powerful track. So I had it for years, but I didn't know what to write to it. Um, that first I, the first verse, my first verse was was inspired by just listening to that track for years. Um, and then um, and then I had actually did a whole song to it. I did three verses and I had I had a little hook. I forget what the hook was before anyone else got on it. Um, Yummy came around to hang out and I was playing her some, some tracks and she liked that one. So Yummy jumped on it and then uh, Rick Ross asked me to do a song on a mixtape for him and so I used that as an opportunity I was like okay we'll hop on one of my songs I sent him a bunch of different records and he liked that one um, so it, that, that song came together over a number of years For this track what is the kind of the importance of this track and how does it kind of fit into the overall concept of the new album Radio Silence? Um, well, I like, I like having Rick Ross on it. Um, he's not somebody who fans of mine or fans of his would automatically assume I would do a song with, but I think he's somebody who has a lot more to say than, than people give him credit for. And I think a track like that really opens him up to exploring introspection. You know, if you listen to that song, he's talking about having remorse for things he's done or smoking right. weed on the cover of the source and, you know telling kids to do their chores is it might be the most positive and introspective you've, you've ever heard rick ross um so i like that i'm able to do that and i like that artists feel like they want to be positive and introspective when they do songs with me um that's great too um but as far as radio silence it's Radio Silence is definitely a very musical album. Like, like I was just telling you, I gravitate towards the musical tracks, and I didn't, I didn't pause or hesitate for this album with that. Uh, uh, this album has a lot of strings on it, a lot of horns, a lot of music, because that's where I'm at in my life. I'm at a point where I'm not just doing beats and rhymes. You know, like if you if you want to hear me do beats and rhymes, listen to the Styles P album I just dropped. Or, or go see the Black Star show, where it's just like it's just gonna be a, a dope ass hip hop beat and some rhymes and no no singing really on the hooks, stuff like that. It's just straight ahead hip hop. But where I'm at musically as a grown man, I'm 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 a, I'm a I'm a consummate musician. I'm not just a hip hop artist, and so this album Radio Silence allows me to explore that side of myself. And I think that Heads Up Eyes Open with his gospel feel and the singing and and everything on it, 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 it allows me to explore different parts. Quali, you just mentioned, you said, you know, you, you did this track with Rick Ross and it's something that Rick Ross's fans wouldn't expect, you know, him to collaborate with you and, you know, vice versa type. Um, and I want to talk about you. You've collaborated with, I mean, your uh, whole list of people, Rick Ross, Ray Kwan, Styles P, Farrow, Black Thought, Jean Grey, Bahamadia, Common, Jada, and so much more. Is there a, 
is there a common, I guess, an artistic trait that you found that has connected kind of all these artists? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, what do you look for when you collaborate with another artist? Um, I just look for honesty. I just look for honesty in, in your craft. If you if you approach your craft in an honest way, it's something that I, I can get with. Um, and, you know, for the most part, I collaborate with people who love hip-hop music. You know, um, even the big, bigger names people that I've collaborated with is out of a love people associate me with hip hop. So even on, on, on eardrum, when I collaborated with Justin Timberlake and Nora Jones, who were some of the biggest pop artists of our time, you don't associate them with hip hop, but they love hip hop music. And I think mm. that's why they, they, they wanted to collaborate with me just as much as I wanted to collaborate with them. Uh, you, you mentioned a little about uh, the Styles P album you did with uh, Seven, uh, which dropped April 14th. Um, on the track, uh, Lost One, Last One, I'm sorry, you, uh, you say, all my rap friends went crazy, I'm the last one left. Uh, is there something about, or what is it about the industry that have has people kind of sometimes step away from what they're doing? Um, yeah, that was more of a, me dealing with perception. I don't mm -hmm. think... You know, I don't think most Def is crazy. I don't think Kanye West is crazy. Um, but people, I don't think Lauren Hill is crazy. But people uh, uh, see the eccentric artists and they don't know how to process this greatness. So they just they just dismiss it as insanity. Um, and so, you know, I was just playing with the, with that. I was playing with the perception that people have of what artists go through. Um, you know, there's level there's different levels of fame. You know, and I'm I'm famous to to some people. But most Def is more famous than I am, and Lauren Hill is more famous than he is, and Kanye West is more famous than all of us combined. And so, with those level, I can't speak on that level of fame. I know with my level of fame, it makes me do things that people who are not as famous as I am sometimes don't understand, and I don't expect them to understand it. Whether it's the way I, I return phone calls or emails, or how I choose to spend my time, or you know, when I shut down or when I turn turn on. I don't expect anyone to understand. It would be unfair for me to be like, you have to understand. I just know that I have to, I have to do what I need to do. You know what I'm saying? Knowing right. what I deal with. And there's, there's some people who do understand. I consider myself a, a part of a group of working class MCs that I, I can, you know, I can give them a knowing look, like, you know, comment a black thought, certain people around, I, that Jean Grey, Farrell Munch, they know exactly how I live and what I, what I go through because I feel like I'm doing it to the same level that they're doing it to. We're all in the same sort of group. Um, but, but people who are not as famous as us may not understand. Just like how I don't understand some of the shit Kanye West, Kanye does. Because mm. his level of astronomical fame and the, the needing, needing to disassociate from the masses in many ways just to maintain your family life is something that I've never had to experience. It's kind of like what... Uh... When uh, Chappelle years ago was on Inside the Actors Studio and he talked about leaving, you know, that whatever fifty million dollar contract, and you know, and kind of explaining to James Lipton about why he did that and how easy it is for reports to be like, "Well, you're crazy. That's why you did it, right?" No, Chappelle is an excellent example because Chappelle is someone who Chappelle is someone who's achieved the level of fame that Kanye West has, right? right. But he's dealt with it in a very different way. Um, I feel like living in Ohio probably has a lot to do with it. But Chappelle is a friend who I spend a lot of time with still to this day, and he's he's far. Dave Chappelle is far richer than I am, far richer than I am. But we there's still a, a, a there's still a relation there. But there's things that he does that I'll never relate to. You know, there's things that, that, you know, that, that he's, he, he experiences like, like the, the, just the other day, I, like I was in Cincinnati and Dave was in Detroit 
he was like, I'm at the Nas Lawrence show. Come up here. And I'm like, I can't. It's four hours. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll send the plane. I'm like, that's wow. not some shit that I can relate to. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I want, you know, I want to, I want to turn to more of your music and, uh, you know, we talked about artists and we also now I, I want to talk about producers you've worked with. You work with Ninth Wonder, High Tech, Quick, uh, Just Plays and more. Uh, what do you look for? And and, and you also talked about how you know, you, you're, you know, you as a musician, I think, you know, you have talked about has grown. So what do you look for when what did you used to look for when working with producers? But now kind of as you've grown musically, what do you look for now? Um, I mean, it, I, I with the producers, it's, it's, it's really about people who understand really really truly understand how hip-hop music works even with young newer producers like um they have to have mentors and role models um you know a lot of hip-hop music that comes out today is made by amateurs as it should be hip-hop hip-hop breaks the rules hip-hop there's music that was created by people who didn't have the luxury of going to music classes, who just picked up computers and instruments and made sounds. That's how it should be. So I don't hate on it, but hip hop has enough of a history for me as a legacy artist that if I'm going to work with you, I want you to know what you're doing. I want you to have a history in hip hop at least. Do you think it, do you think that the fact that um, like, you know, when you were growing up, your, your influence was not rap, right? I mean, you had, because it wasn't a mainstream thing then, or it wasn't even, you know. Do you think, as more younger producers come today, that their influences are rap, that that kind of, or hip-hop, that that kind of changes uh, what the sound will be for future music? Um, I'm speaking from an outsider's perspective because I'm not a younger hip-hop artist that's just coming in the game, so this question is probably better suited for an artist like that. But just right. from my outsider perspective, um, it seems to me that they grow up, um, there's two influences. Uh, one, it's, 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 it's sort of like the independent hustler producer, the producer like a Manny Fresh or, um, you know, the, the no limit guys, the beats by beats by the pound guys, like guys who really just didn't have any musical training, but had rhythm and understood what the strip clubs needed and what the clubs needed. Um, uh, coupled with being enamored with success, it's about the success level of an artist. Like, like people coming to hip hop now, a lot of the younger people, it seems, seems to me, it's more about the hustle, more about, well, I like this guy, not so much because I relate to directly to what he's saying, but he hustling, he grinding, he getting it, he's successful. Therefore, I would like to be successful too. So I want to follow that example. I want to turn to uh, the the Reflection Eternal Train of Thought album will turn 17 on October 17th. Uh, what was your favorite track when you first released it? But do you and is that still the same track, or what is your favorite track now? Um, I mean, we you know we put all, we put everything on the album because we loved every track. I can't say that I really have a favorite track from that album. And it's it's there's 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 tracks throughout my career that I'm like, yeah, I could have done that better on every album. But I can't say that there's any track that's like, oh, this is my favorite. Uh, on the one of my favorite lines is uh, you spit on you spit on African dream, where you know these cats drink champagne, they toast death and pain like slaves on a ship, talking about who got the flyest chain. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great one. That's a great one. <laughs> what 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 is that? What did that lyric mean to you when you wrote it, and and does it still apply to today? Um, that lyric was something that was sort of years in the making. That sort of co the concept of 
uh, whips and chains. You know, we call our cars whips and uh, wearing a lot of chains. Um, you know, even like even before like you know um, movies like I'ma Get You Sucker, like Robert Townsend, he made fun of like the hip hop chains thing. De La Soul and their video for Me Myself and I, they had the, all the guys wearing the chains, and then here comes De La and they're not wearing the chains. Like that's sort of where I was at in my mind. The whole idea of we spent all our money on these chains and we come from chains that had been bubbling in my in my head for years before I laid that lyric down. Um, so that lyric was kind of years in the making, and that song. In particular, the point of that song was to try to take the African experience, the African music experience, and put it in one song. So that song has like scratching and cutting and the hip hop MPC drums in it, but it also has African drumming in it, has live bass, has live chords, it has jazz in it, it has blues in it, um, there's guitar in the song. I was trying to just in something that encapsulated all of African music. And so for me to say that line on that song, it, it made sense. These cats drink champagne and toast death the pain like slaves on a ship talking about who got the flyest chain. Um, so I was, you know, we, we, we've obviously talked about a lot of your music and I was going through, uh, as I was waiting, I was going through kind of social media and, and someone posted, um, some institution is bringing real hip hop back. And it was a kind of a tribute to the Black Star album. Uh, and obviously this is, I think this is a, a great thing to hear, but at the same time I wanted to get your reaction because when someone says that like this era or this album is what real hop is, what do you, what is your thought? I mean, is, is real hip hop only one era? I mean, what is it? No, I mean, there's, there's just several eras. I mean, that's just people were, people romanticize what they were into when they were in high school and college. So if you right. were in high school and college around 98, then yeah, the black star album is going to be representative of real hip hop to you. Um, you know, just like how Rakim and Big Daddy Kane is for me, um, mm -hmm. just like how Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole is now for kids who are in school now. You know, it's just, it, you know, there's always going to be somebody new. You know, in 96, 95, 96, it was the Roots and Common and the Fugees, you know, like it's always going to be something. Mm. Uh I want to turn out. So, David, I interviewed David Banner, and David Banner told me, uh, "quote The lie in the veil that America has worn for so long. I think Trump has helped tear that veil off, and I think people of the culture are being a lot more honest." Uh, and then, you know, we have Eminem's uh, freestyle uh, this past week. Um, so, do you think under Trump's? Where do you think lyrically? lyrical content is going under a Trump presidency and do you think we'll see more of it in mainstream hip hop? Um, yeah, I mean, I think his history definitely proves that the worse the country is, the more honest and, you know, uh, critical of society that the artists are. Um, absolutely. Um, but that doesn't discount the fact that artists like David Banner and myself are like that. Um, even when the, it's not a news story. And I think it's important right. to focus on the artists who do it um, even when, be, you know, before the Trayvon Martins and the Mike Browns get killed and before the Donald Trumps get elected. Why? I mean, you, you've been in the, you've obviously been in the industry for some time. Why, why is it that someone like you isn't the mainstream? Um, I mean, I think it's obvious. There's, the type of music I do has never been mainstream. Right. You know, the Grateful Dead was never really mainstream until after they're they're done. You know, Bob Marley, Nina Simone, um, Steely Dan. You know, like these 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 are, these are not people who have, they have one or two hit records, three or four hit records. I have three, maybe three hit records. 
You know, it's like my career has never been based on mainstream accessibility or, or how many records or units moved. Um, even artists like Chance the Rapper is changing the game right now. He's never sold a record, you know, and, and he's and he's hugely popular. Um, so it's never been about being mainstream. As a matter of fact, it's being about opposite of being mainstream. Even though Eminem is, is as mainstream hip hop as you can get. Um, because of the amount of records he sold. He sold more albums than any hip-hop person in history. Obviously, that has to do with the fact that he's white, but it's also because he's a spectacular MC. But as a person, even though his career has been mainstream, he's always had an underground mentality. The stuff he talks about is not mainstream subject matter. And as the older he got, the more he moved away from rapping about his baby mom and Britney Spears, and more he moved to, to rapping about how his place in society. He raps. He's rapped a lot about conservative politics and been very critical of them. Mm-hmm. To, the, to to where now we have, you know, forty 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 four year old where I mean them really, really focused like that. You know, I've seen a lot of things online. People are upset that Eminem is getting all the shine because they're like, there's so many black artists who have said what he said and, and maybe said it better. Um, I agree with that, that there's so many black artists who deserve the shine, you know, but Eminem has, he, he does one thing well, and that's rap. And he, that's, that's something that he did very well with Donald Trump. I'm, I'm here to say as an MC, as a writer, as a, just as a, as a as a fan of hip hop, I'm here to say as someone who's considered one of the MCs that people say, oh well, Talib Kweli has been doing it for so long. I'm here to say not too many MCs could have dissed Trump and wrote a rhyme that that dope. Not too many of us. Not too many of us. And I I don't I think that when 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 the critique becomes oh the freestyle was average it wasn't that good I don't think that's a fair critique at all. I think that it, like lyrically it was stunning to me. What he, how he was able to, he was able to talk about Islamophobia. He was able to talk about Colin Kaepernick, uh, immigration, police brutality. He drew a line in the sand. He did a lot of things in that in that minute and a half rhyme. The the, the draw the line in the sand rhyme. I mean, the, the part of it. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think he's going to? His fans will the fans that are Trump supporters. Do you think they will stop buying his stuff or? Uh, I mean, at this point, in the, no one buys music anyway. Right. You know, and and, and Eminem could say, "I draw a line in the sand." And if Eminem were to write, if Eminem were to put out a blank CD tomorrow with nothing on it, he'd sell a million copies. Right. So, you know, the people who were going to not buy his stuff, they weren't going to buy anyway. Right. Quali, as is one more question. You 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 know you you you've done this for over twenty years, and you continue to do so. And um, what is your just absolutely favorite thing about? writing um it's my superpower it makes me feel like a superhero it makes me feel like i can accomplish anything being a good writer has taken me around the world it's made me meet my heroes it's allowed me to feed my family it's like it makes me unstoppable he's talib kwali his new album will come out november 17th radio silence uh kwali it's an honor to have you on the library with tomorrow thank you so much thank you Said the revolution won't be televised But in the land of milk and honey There's a date you gotta sell it by Otherwise it just expires and spoils And these folks jump out the pot When the water too hot Cause the fire boils inside You go to church to find you some religion And all you hear is conniving And gossip and contradiction And you try to vote and participate in the government And the motherfucking Democrats Is acting like Republicans 
You join an organization that know black history But ask them how they plan to make money and it's a mystery Looking for the remedy but you can't see what's hurting you Revolution's here, the revolution is personal They call me the political rapper even after I tell them I don't fuck with politics I don't even follow it I'm on some KRS, Ice Cube, Chris Wallace shit Main source, De La Soul, bumping to Apocalypse Now, now No, it's cause I'm dope, if I was whack, I'd be irrelevant I'm like the dope in your tracks, until your high is settling You lean it to the left, the last is the best medicine But the trouble you have today, you just can't laugh away Stay optimistic, think a change is gonna come like Donny Hathaway You have to pray on top of that act today Cause opportunities shrivel away like Tom Hanks and Castaway Everybody passed away, the pastor prayed a family morning Everybody act according to the season that they born in We fight in the streets, start bleeding till the blood is pouring In the gutter, mothers cry to the Lord, we living by the sword And all that folks want is safety, they going gun crazy Same reason Reagan was playing war games in the 80s Same reason I always rock door chains on my babies The struggle is beautiful, I'm too strong for your slave BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.